2: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy.
3: Fall Guy. That's what the poster said.
2: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG
4: 13. Steve Dace is the foremost authority on the whole COVID pandemic. Steve. Please explain to me and the audience how and why we know the vaccine has been a failure.
3: Brother, how do I load thee? Let me count the ways. Um, first of all, it's great that we can freely discuss this now that they're getting ready to pin the whole damn thing on Trump. All right, so now that they're getting ready to do that, we can freely tell you the truth. It, it really goes back to August 6th of last year, Jason. Um, on August 6th of last year, Rochelle Walensky, head of uh, CDC, went on cnn with wolf Blitz and admitted on national television on august 6th of last year that the vaccines no longer stopped the spread of the virus and that those who are vaccinated can also spread the virus she admitted this on national television on august 6th of last year it wasn't until earlier this week that YouTube said it would not censor you any longer for repeating what the CDC director said on August 6th of last year. Why is that date important? Because on September 9th, a full month, Jason, after Rochelle Walensky admitted this on national television, a full month after that, on September the 9th, President Biden issued an executive order he had said earlier in the year he had no authority to issue, and that was demanding a mandate of a vaccination in order to work at a private industry in America, including the military and healthcare workers in the public sector as well. So here's the first question. Why are we mandating a an experimental technology? It is not fully authorized the version of the pfizer vaccine that is fully authorized uh is actually not sold in the u.s and never will be so this is all still experimental it is all still under an emergency use of authorization in in eua uh, we are now ma- we started to mandate something that wasn't going to stop you from getting the virus what would be the possible medical justification for that answer there isn't any It was just about power and coercion. By the time we got to the end of last year, on on New Year's Eve in New York City, Jason, on New Year's Eve 2021, one of the most vaxxed cities in America, there were more people in in ICU for COVID on New Year's Eve 2021 in New York City than there were in the year 2020. We had more COVID cases and more COVID deaths when you prorate for when COVID started being marked in March of 2020. We had more of them in 2021, despite the existence of their quote-unquote vaccines. We had more of that, both of those things in 2021 than we had in 2020. In 2021, the CDC changed the definition of the term vaccine. It now no longer means something that is an inoculation that stops you from getting the infection. Now it's just a therapeutic. So I guess aspirin now is a vaccine. Vitamin D, vitamin C, these are vaccines. Why did they do this? So they could market and brand and sell their vaccines. See, folks, this is what happens when the government gets into bed with the vaccine manufacturers. It already gave them unlimited liability protection so you can't sue them if they hurt you. Uh, It doesn't regulate them now because they are investors, the biggest investors. And then it mercilessly promotes and then ruthlessly uh, coerces. Forces you into taking the product that they created the very definition of fascism and now we are sitting here in 2022 Jason and we, we now know what a sudden adult death syndrome is never heard of anything like this before you look at the excess death numbers here in the United States they're trending higher anyway uh, you look at the excess death numbers in Scotland trending higher while by the way the birth rate trends lower because we know from numerous studies that these spiked proteins produced by these vaccines loved to hang out in the ovaries and the testes. That's why we've got studies showing 42% of women are having uh, menstrual irregularities, including postmenopausal bleeding. We've got studies showing a sperm motility decreases for up to six months after being fully vaccinated. And then, of course, there are the cardiac issues. The study out of Thailand that showed 18% of teenage boys had irregular EKGs shortly after getting a full. A dose of the Pfizer vaccine because that won't matter at all when they're 50 and 60 that won't take any time out of their lives at all will the kids recover from myocarditis Steve yeah but your heart now has tread on its tires on the back end that it's not supposed to have when you're 13 23 31 years old I could go on and on and on all the data markers are there and it's because of that that they're starting to back away and now you've got Moderna suing Pfizer that was announced this morning Moderna now suing Pfizer so I guess the Assyrians and The Babylonians are going to fight suing Pfizer for patent violation. Pfizer BioNTech. You know, there's really only one way to prove a a patent violation, and that is to show your cards what you've actually done, what you've actually created, because FDA didn't want you to see what was in these vaccines for 75 years until a federal judge ruled otherwise earlier this year. The amount of fraud here, the amount of death here. If you look at Australia, for example, the Australian government has to provide remuneration for vaccine injury. It admitted about two weeks ago that over 79,000 people had serious vaccine injury in Australia, uh, which requires uh, compensation from the government. If you take the fact that they've vaccinated 21 million plus people in Australia, that's 0.3%, which coincidentally is the infection fatality rate for COVID before we ever begin to stratify for age or comorbidity, which shows on on a societal population health level, there's no net benefit. You're assuming about the same percentage of risk from the vaccine as you are from the virus itself at 0.3. But if you were to prorate that, Jason, 0.3% of all people that we have given this jab to in the world would have a serious adverse effect. That could be death, that could be myocarditis, it could be GBS or some other neurological syndrome. That turns out, since we've, done, since we've given these jabs to 5.3 billion people in the world, that's 16 million people in this world 16 million people in this world that we have given a serious adverse event to for a virus that before we even stratified for age and comorbidity, they had a 0.3 chance of dying from. And no, in none of the nine realms. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, would any sane public administrator say that that trade-off is worth the risk, that the juice is worth the squeeze, that it's worth this level of coercive behavior from government to demand that you get them? The very president that tried to force you to take these last year has tested positive for COVID twice after being jabbed four times, including eight days in a row. His wife tested positive just this week for a second time. They told us that Paxlovid, their miracle drug to replace ivermectin and and hydroxychloroquine they couldn't make any money off of, that rebound COVID with Paxlovid would take less than, that was going to happen less than 1% of the time. So what are the odds that two of the guys getting the best health care they can provide, Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci, both got rebound COVID on Paxlovid if they were in the 1%, what do you think the odds really are? Jason, as Steve Rogers once famously said, I could do this all day. So I'll go back and end with where I started. How do I load thee? Let me count the ways.
4: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday to you and yours. Thank you, uh, Steve Dace for getting us off to a fiery, fiery start. Love that cold open. Love what Steve brings to the table. He is the smartest person talking about COVID in this whole deal. And he has given us a great setup uh, for today's show that we're about to get into. Uh, TJ Moe is going to be here. Uh, Delano Squires is going to be here. I'm going to go down memory lane with a former Ball State teammate of mine and friend, longtime friend, Lim Jones, and a personal story. Stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss that discussion uh, with Lim Jones. We were uh, classmates, schoolmates, teammates at Ball State. Lim's walk and journey in life, come to find out mirroring mine. You don't want to miss that conversation with Lim Jones, dear friend of mine from Ball State. Uh, We'll get into that, but we're going to start right where Steve Dace has led us. I want to go back. I want to continue a conversation. We started yesterday with Royce White, and I I wanted Steve to give us a foundation to talk about the vaccines and COVID and all of that because he is the authority. He's written the Fauci and bargain. Now he and uh, Daniel Horowitz have a second book coming out about this whole COVID pandemic and how it's been mishandled. Steve Dace is the ultimate authority. He's given us a great foundation to look at and discuss how I want to discuss this COVID issue and why I believe apologies, major apologies in the sports world and the media space space are owed to Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers. I said this yesterday when talking to Royce White. Kyrie Irving, at the time, I wrote, I talked about on this show, Kyrie Irving, uh, basically his move, his willingness to sacrifice money and to sit out the NBA season over the vaccine mandates. I said it at the time, and I definitely believe it now, this was the closest thing we've seen from an athlete resembling Muhammad Ali and people laughed at me.
5: How can you compare
4: him to Muhammad Ali? That's crazy, blah, blah, blah. Because you were all, had your heads completely up the rear end of the establishment and Big Pharma and all the people lying to you. And now look where we are right now in 2022. Who was right, who was wrong? Was Muhammad Ali, according to all the historians and everybody, was he right about the Vietnam War? was Kyrie Irving right about the vaccine? And why aren't people lining up to give Kyrie Irving an apology? Same people need to line up and give Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers quarterback, an apology. Aaron Rodgers, and I don't care that he was misleading or whatever, he was dead right. The guy went on the Pat McAfee show and explained to everybody why he didn't want to take the vaccine, and hats off to him. Hats off to Kyrie Irving and the people that are not standing up and acknowledging that they were dead wrong and that they misled people. They were the inappropriate people. They're cowards. And again, about to start calling them out. Don't hate these people. I don't hate these people. I'm just dealing with the facts. Many of them I like and respect, but I'm going to deal with the facts. And ask, why aren't these people offering up apologies to Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers? Let's start with, and again, I don't have, even though I'm critical of him, I don't have great animus towards Stephen A. Smith. I don't have great animus towards Stephen A. Smith. I have animus towards this environment, this culture we've created, where all of these people are towing the establishment, globalists, Uh, groupthink lie and carrying water for all of us. So we're going to start with a fat clip of Stephen A. Smith going after Kyrie Irving over his vaccine stance. Let's play the clip.
6: Should our
0: position on Kyrie change?
1: Yes, it should change in regards to Kyrie. Um, It should be even worse than we originally imagined. You know, I have to be and I try to be Uh, incredibly careful fellas Uh, in terms of I try to focus on what you do not who you are people make mistakes none of us are flawless all of us have made mistakes we'll continue to make mistakes none of us are perfect we get all of that but I've been covering the NBA now for almost 25 years I mean this is some of the stupidest nonsense I've ever seen Just flat-out stupid. So let me get this straight. So if the reports are true, because we don't know whether they are or not, okay, but let's give credit to Sham and others who have reported this. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Let's go with that, okay? If it is true, Jay, if it is true, Marcus, so you don't have a problem with taking the vaccine, your position is that you're going to sit up there and compromise the championship aspirations of an organization you signed on to represent. You coaxed Kevin Durant in the signing on to represent. You coaxed, you played a role in coaxing James Harden into signing on to represent. You're gonna compromise all of that because you wanna give a voice to the voiceless. Really? And how is that going to work out for you, Kyrie Irvin? You're going to disappear from the game of basketball? Who the hell is going to be interested in what you have to say when you have proven that you can't even be trusted enough to do your damn job? A job you volunteered for. This ain't the military where you were drafted. You chose to play basketball. You chose to enter the NBA. You chose to sign that contract as a free agent to go to the Brooklyn Nets. You chose Brooklyn as your destination. You chose the Nets franchise to represent. You asked KD and James Harden to come on board with you in Brooklyn to establish your own legacy, and then you leave them hanging. Because of what exactly? your own individual principle, I am not calling Kyrie Irving stupid. Kyrie Irving, I happen to believe, is an intelligent brother Mm -hmm. whose heart is in the right place. But now you've regressed to an alarming level of self-righteousness. It not only makes you look hypocritical and untrustworthy, it makes you look what I know you are not, which is flat out stupid. It's the stupidest thing that I think I've encountered with NBA play. Like you are you you gonna sit up there and not play and not take a vaccine that uh, evidently it's not you, you don't have a problem with it according to the reports. You just wanna give a voice to the voiceless.
4: So Kyrie is the stupid one. He's the misguided one. He's the one person in the NBA that stood out there with a big pair and let them hang and try to be a voice to the voiceless. Try to tell people, hey, be careful with this vaccine. We're young, we're healthy, there's no reason for us to be taking this. But Kyrie's the stupid one. And What I'm about to say will sound like a personal attack I don't dislike Stephen A. Smith. I get what he's doing. But this is what you do, and this is what you sound like when you've been bought and paid for. People love to talk about who's a sellout, who's a sellout, who's not a sellout, who keeps it real. That's what selling out looks and sounds like. And I say that because Stephen A. Smith is not a doctor, he's not a scientist. He's a sports pontificator that got on TV and blasted this young man about a vaccine that Stephen A. Smith does not know anything about. Stephen A. Smith can have his opinion But to sit on TV and call this boy, this young man, stupid. Because uh, he's sitting there, hey. Because Kyrie, I don't know what his religion is, but he's spiritual and believes in God. And he believes in God's design. And so that level of intelligence led Kyrie Irving to believe, oh, I'm not putting this vaccine in my perfectly healthy young body. And Steve, uh, you're going to compromise the championship and not take the vaccine. You compromised your health. And a bunch of other people compromised their health, taking a vaccine that now the CDC and everybody else says doesn't prevent COVID. It's virtually worthless. You compromised your help over that. Kyrie Irving didn't. He was brave. He was courageous. He was, if the rest of the NBA players had his balls and his courage, they all would have refused to take it. But everybody hopped on the coward train. And, And we already know many of these athletes didn't take it. They got fake vaccine cards and all that. But they weren't man enough to stand on their own two feet and refuse to take it and try to be a voice for people in work. People that got ran out of their jobs because they wouldn't take this worthless vaccine. And I'm not talking about millionaire people that got ran out of their jobs. I'm talking about working class people living check to check. that didn't want to take this vaccine. Kyrie tried to stand up for them and Stephen A. Smith is blasphemous. This is what selling out looks like. And y'all need to quit thinking that it's some certain color or, or it's, uh, you gotta be racist or you you gotta, uh, oh, you gotta be conservative to sell out. No, selling out is when they hand you a 12, $13 million a year contract to say what you're told to say. That's what selling out is. And Stephen A. Smith sold out and he owes Kyrie Irving an apology. And he needs to admit, hey, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was running my mouth because that's what they told me I had to do to collect this check. I do not dislike Stephen A. Smith. I dislike the way he handled this COVID conversation. Well, the whole conversation well above his pay grade and base of knowledge. Same applies for Mike Wilbon. And y'all know I like Mike Wilbon. And I respect Mike Wilbon. Completely out of pocket. We got a clip of him attacking Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving over this vaccine. Let's play it yeah i don't get it it just feels like at this point now somebody's trying to make a statement or a point um to flex their authority um but you know everybody out here looking for attention
1: and that's what i feel like the the mayor wants right now some attention you know all right michael wilbon how do we react to that
5: kevin durant is too aware and too plugged in to say something that impertinent What's the point of that? Want some attention. You want to call out somebody, call out your teammate. Tell him to get a shot. Because he's got plenty of them because he couldn't have gone to grade school in Metropolitan New York without vaccines. I mean, all these guys want to be so irresponsible and not accountable enough to look at this dude and tell him, you want to play with us? Get a sh- Put a shot in your arm. The vaccine is not about attention. People died, hundreds of thousands of them, from this virus. And You you think the mayor of New York needs to attend to a basketball team's needs, your needs, before he needs to attend to the needs of a metropolitan area, the biggest in America? Are you kidding me? I mean, Kevin, and again, Kevin Durant, there's some knuckleheads who would say stuff like this. I'd probably let it go. Kevin Durant is too smart and too plugged in. Everybody wants to tell you how woke they are, and then I got to hear something like that. That's offensive. Stop.
4: You go on national TV, that's NBA Countdown, that's got a nice audience, maybe a million viewers. Mike, you you, you can't go on national TV and tell another man what to do with his body. You can't, you can't do it. That's completely out of pocket. We love to talk about who's pocket watching, who's counting somebody else's money. I got no problem with that. You want to sit up and gossip about somebody else's money? That's harmless. Going on TV and telling another man or woman what drugs they need to inject into their body from Big Pharma. Are are, are y'all kidding me? Big Pharma? That's... In big pharma, we trust now. Big pharma, the drug companies, that's who we should trust on something. They rushed through not all the proper protocols. That they rushed through. We're on TV telling another man to shoot something into his body. Y'all owe Kyrie Irving an apology. Y'all owe the American people an apology. This is crazy. This is lunacy. This is irresponsible. We're sports writers. We talk about sports for a living. We don't go on TV demanding that people inject drugs into their bodies, experimental vaccines. This is completely inappropriate. And I don't care how big of a check they cut you. Kyrie Irving was dead right. The fact that the national media isn't talking about this right now, that Kyrie Irving, Aaron Rodgers, and anybody else that had a brain and a pair were dead right? No way these young people should have been injecting this experimental vaccine into their body. The, the, the results, the data, the information from around the globe is backing up all of their instincts. They were right. You were wrong. Admit it. Apologize. You demonized and villainized Kyrie Irving over nothing over that man, doing exactly what he was supposed to do, make his own decision, stand on his own two feet. And just because he had the courage to risk his money and his, and his notoriety and reputation to do what he believed and everybody over at ESPN, I, I, I wish I could think of the name of that woman, maybe her name was Allison or whatever. Allison that lost her job at ESPN because she wouldn't take the vaccine because they required it at ESPN. And so everybody over at ESPN is pro vaccine because it, well, I had to do it to keep my job and to keep collecting this check. I know it's stupid, but I want everybody else to be as stupid as me. That's what's driving this selling out and wanting everybody to be, we're all jumping off buildings, you jump too. We're all drinking Jim Jones's Kool-Aid, you drink the Kool-Aid too. This is incredible that the news is coming out day after day after day after day, that this vaccine, they backed up the CDC, now basically admits it doesn't prevent COVID, Jill and Joe Biden done had the damn virus four or five times each. The death rate for young people across the globe is going through the roof. People dropping dead, perfectly healthy athletes dropping dead for no reason, unexplained. Kyrie Irving was right. And so was Aaron Rodgers. And I don't care that he lied and misled people about whether he took the vaccine or not. It wasn't none of your business in the first place. What the man did, he didn't owe you that kind of honesty. That's between him, his doctor, and his God if he believes in one. It wasn't our business. So if he misled y'all on what he injected or didn't inject into his body, that's on you for caring. I didn't care. None of my business. But Ryan Clark, he want to jump out there and beat up Aaron Rodgers. Look how tough I am. I'm taking on Aaron Rodgers. He's deceitful. He's entitled. He's this. He's that.
6: Aaron Rodgers was right. Play the Ryan Clark clip. We shouldn't be surprised. Is anybody surprised that Aaron Rodgers acted entitled, uh, that he was self-centered, that there was an air of arrogance to the way that he approached this with the media and the way that he decided to not follow the protocols? Is there also any surprise that the Green Bay Packers didn't force him to, that the Green Bay Packers didn't say, Aaron Rodgers, these are the rules, Aaron Rodgers, this is what's expected of you, and so do it. Because we saw Aaron Rodgers not do any of those things the entire offseason. So for this to be something that could, comes out now that he slightly deceived that he was a wordsmith with the way that he used um, his words as it pertained to vaccinations. I don't think that there's anybody who's sitting at their house doing this show or anyone sitting in that studio that believes that. This is a continuation of who he always been, who he've always he's always been because he's a very good football player and very good football players that play the position that he plays kind of get to do what the hell they want. And he's even taken that to a different level now, not caring about those around him, not caring about the rules and regulations and thinking that he is above the law. But when your team kind of made you feel that way, walking back into training camp with a Kevin shirt on, maybe you are.
4: Aaron Rodgers is smarter than Ryan Clark. That's what he's really mad about. Because ESPN told Ryan Clark to bend over and take this jab, and he bent over and took the jab because he ain't man enough to tell him no. He doesn't stand for anything. And so when they said, hey, take this jab, or you don't have a job, he bent over and took the jab. Aaron Rodgers came up with a way not to take the jab, because he's a man. I I love these tough guys. They all talk tough. But then other than some stupid violence, ain't none of them tough. You know, to get violent, that ain't tough. That's stupidity. And it's the same stupidity that led you when ESPN said, hey, uh, Ryan, I got this needle I need to stick in your rear end. You said, go ahead, boss. Whatever I got to do to get this check, I'm going to do. That's what you did. And now you're mad because Aaron Rodgers has a pair and has a brain and didn't want to take the stupid jab. We'll play one more. Mina Kimes, she's another one that (laughs) had some smoke for Aaron Rodgers. And there's a bunch more. I'm just giving you the highlights. These aren't the only ones, but these are the highest profile ones. These are the people ESPN sent out to promote this Big Pharma BS because Big Pharma is in control of all of the television networks. They spend more money on all of these cable and television networks than anybody. And so they all have to bend over and sell Big Pharma's experimental vaccine. They sold out. There's no truth here. There's just what Vic, Vic Pharma and their corporate overlords tell them to say. None of these people are qualified to be talking about the COVID vaccine. They don't know nothing about it. You're talking about a former football player and two sports writers. And now, a female sports writer, who's on TV talking about football because she's a pretty little Asian girl. But now, they, they hop, they're they physicians, they're playing doctors on TV, and they know exactly what Aaron Rodgers and Kyrie Irving should do. Play the Mina Kahn's tape.
0: First thing I wanna do is address something that we just showed that Aaron Rodgers said today, which was uh, his hesitation about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because it was briefly pulled It was briefly pulled over a small number of cases and then it was returned uh, to availability. Millions of people around the world have taken it. I don't think that should be allowed to go unchallenged. Um, There's a football side of this, which is that he has made himself unavailable to his football team. And at best, what he said this summer was misleading, as you guys have said. Then to me, there's the human side, which is we are still in the middle of a global pandemic that has claimed millions of lives and what we've got today with this interview is a public figure spreading misinformation about the best way to stop that pandemic repeating uh, ideas opinions that have been universally debunked by the scientific and medical community Um, using his platform in a way that's not only self-serving in this instant instance but i think frankly dangerous he said something that really jumped out to me about how this is you know his body and his choice and ryan you're right it is his body and his choice, but it's a choice that affects other people, not just his football team, but other humans, because this is a contagious illness. Far too few few people seem to understand that still, and for him to perpetuate that, um, I guess it just shows us that he doesn't care.
4: That's a nice little Instagram model. Wonderful. And I've heard people say, Manny Kimes is cute. Nice little Instagram model, and she's and she decent sports writer. I'm not going to knock her, but what, 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 what does she know about this vaccine? She said, said, this man is self-serving and misinformation and dangerous. Everything that came out of her mouth in promotion of this experimental vaccine, self-serving, keeps her employed at ESPN, she had to take the jab because ESPN mandated, self-serving, and based on what we're learning now, dangerous. Young people, no business taking this vaccine. COVID does not kill young people. Athletes, professional athletes in their prime, no business taking this vaccine, and that's why the NFL two years, and again, the NFL is in bed with big pharma. The NFL is a television show. The television networks are dependent on Pfizer and all the uh, pharmaceutical companies because that's who advertises on television. That's who the NFL and the television networks are in partnership with. That's who's making money hand over fist promoting this experimental vaccine To you and your kids. This is a group of sellouts. That all get to sit on ESPN and pretend like they're speaking truth to power. Or they're looking out for the best interest of, of the people. And that they're more informed. They don't know what they're talking about. And there needs to be a lesson here. Shut your mouth. You don't know what you're talking about. None of these people. And again, that's why I wanted to start with Steve Dace laying the foundation. He's written books about this. He's done research. He and Daniel Horowitz have been leaders on this. Alex Berenson's done a bunch of research on this. They've been leaders on this. They're actually informed and ESPN should be putting people like that on TV, talking about this, not, an Asian Instagram model, a big dumb football player, and two sports writers. They're not qualified. All they can say is what they're told to say. And the reason why I call them all stupid is because they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they don't know. They don't have the self-awareness to sit there and go, I'm way out over my skis. I'm the one spreading misinformation because I haven't been trained for any of this conversation that they're forcing me to have on this television network. I'm just out here repeating big pharma talking points. You remember when Steve, uh, didn't Stephen A filled in for somebody, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel or somebody crack some joke about Ivermectin, calling it uh, horse medicine or whatever, just all uninformed stupidity. So many people took ivermectin during this COVID scandi- pandemic and helped themselves, including me. And I talked about it and told y'all about it. That thank God uh, for Dr. Zelensky, and when I got COVID, the, got me a prescription for ivermectin from Dr. Zelensky. Rest in peace, Doctor. You did me a solid and millions of other Americans. But you got Stephen ain't pretending like it's horsemen. Group of sellout idiots spreading misinformation. And I'm calling them names, and I got to be careful. Because I'm telling you, I don't dislike any of them. I really don't. I dislike what they do. I dislike the selling out. Uh, TJ Moe, welcome to the show. Uh, Help me out here. Am I am I right for insisting that uh, Kyrie Irving, Aaron Rodgers, I, I I meant to mention my guy Cole Beasley, uh, another guy old an apology, but aren't these guys old an apology based on what we know now?
2: Oh sure, but they're never going to get it, and it's it's clear as day why they're never going to get it because anybody who followed any of this nonsense from the very very beginning, remember that. These people, the the media in general, the sports media in particular, if you look at uh, the big lead did a study years ago, about 96 percent of sports media lean to the left and not just lean to the left. They hang out on the left. They are the diehards of the Democratic Party. And so this is the group that wants control, that wants you to believe everything Rochelle Walensky of the CDC says, everything that Anthony Fauci says, everything that Deborah Burke says. And from day one, it was, to anybody paying attention, a complete disaster. Remember, when we first started, Anthony Fauci is on record saying this would be nothing worse than the seasonal flu. Then he said, you'll never have to wear a mask. Why would you wear a mask? Everybody relax. Then he said, you must wear a mask or you're killing your grandmother. And then he said, I knew you needed to wear a mask the whole time, but I didn't want you to panic, so I lied to you. So he told you up front that he was lying to you to protect you. And on and on. I mean, this, this went from the very beginning. We, we just, in April, stopped wearing masks on planes, even though the air filtration system on planes is the greatest outside of being outside it's the greatest place you could be is on a plane because of that air filtration system and it wasn't because finally rochelle walensky or anthony Fauci and these people cracked and said okay this doesn't make sense it's because a judge finally struck it down remember this this it was biden versus missouri our attorney general uh, future united states Senator eric schmidt took on biden in that administration to keep employers from forcing vaccinations Right, So nobody's ever admitted fault on this. And the liberal media, who backs all of these people, were the sheep following them off the cliff. And so if they ever allowed these guys to apologize, they would have to admit that they're complete imbeciles. They would say that, I'm sorry, I, I know none of this made any sense, but... I went with it because they're the experts. We were wrong. They will never, ever admit that. First of all, everybody on television in general has far too much pride to ever admit that they did anything wrong. But more than that, I truly believe you had to be an absolute imbecile after the initial lockdowns to believe a word that these people said. And yet the liberal media continued in all the clips that you just showed bashing anybody who dared to question their expertise.
4: I'm saying... What I'm saying today, I, I, I have to believe Kyrie Irving, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Cole beasley they, they have to be saying this privately to their friends and amongst themselves, like, "Hey, we were right. Look at the media—they they won't even acknowledge that we were right. They beat me up," and and you know, I, I wonder if if. Aaron Rodgers has just been told, don't stir the hornet's nest, just stay out of it. Because to me, he could go on the Pat McAfee show and he and Pat McAfee could do 30 minutes on this and set the world on fire. But but he probably just doesn't want the controversy of doing an I told you so
7: moment.
2: That's probably true for Aaron. Um, You know, Aaron just lost his best receiver. You know, he's trying to play out his career and probably has made enough waves in Green Bay that he's just saying, look, I I got away with one there. Let's just play. Cole Beasley is the one that I would love to see go on this tour because he's the one. Look, Kyrie and Aaron Rodgers are at the top of their game and they're established players that it's very difficult to get rid of. You know, so if you just cast Kyrie Irvin out of the NBA at this point, there would be an uproar. You could do that to Cole Beasley. And people would say, "Yeah, well." No, he's. It's he's, been done. I don't think I don't is he I, is he on a roster this year? I don't think he is this year. He he also was towards the end of his career, and that's my point too. It's possible he was. You know, he's getting older. This is another reason why I I think it was it was so disastrous for young NFL players to be used as the example because they were the guys who uh, have have so much to lose. They're just most of these guys in the NFL and NBA, the the young guys, they're just. Most guys are just guys. They're going to be there for a little while, hope to make enough money, seed money to go start a business. Hopefully they can pay off their house or something so they can start saving for their kids' college. That's where these guys are. Cole Beasley, as an older guy, expendable. You could argue he had another as a as – a, um, how long was he in the NFL? the NFL? Ten years? He's around for a while. Uh, looks and, like it. Ten years, and last year, uh, career high eighty-two receptions. Uh. <laughs> yeah, with with arguably the best. In twenty twenty-one. Yeah, with arguably the best quarterback in the game there, um, with yeah. with Josh Allen. It, look, he, he's a useful guy, but he is towards the end of his so ten years. He could be around for another four or five years, probably as a slot guy. That you know your quicks go. Uh, much, they go away much slower than the fast guys. You can be quick for a very long time. It's hard to stay fast for a long time. So out of the slot, he could have worked for another four or five years. This probably ended his career. To me, he was the guy with the most courage of anyone. And he also, I mean, remember, Aaron Rodgers did some wordplay here and and tried to act as though he got vaccinated. Cole Beasley said, screw you guys, I'm not doing this. And he did it in New York, a, a quite a different place to do it than Green Bay, Wisconsin. And so, you know, uh, to your point about the the apologies, it's not gonna happen and, and I guess Aaron could rub it in their face, but but here's the thing about the media, they have the monopoly. So it's like the the masses are so uninformed in America. And I, and I actually thank God there are there's now digital media popping up. And if social media allows people's voices to be heard, it is helpful. It's becoming more fractured and you can get proper information. But in general, the vast majority of people, especially the older generation, they're still turning on the news to see what's going on. And if those people don't report on it, I, I bet you the vast majority of people today still think the vaccines worked quite well and that everybody really should probably get them and it would help their health. And anybody who didn't get it is very selfish. I bet you, if you did polling on that, that is the resounding opinion. Uh, And it's crazy because anybody who's actually looked at the statistics, looked at the studies, knows that that's crazy, but you gotta be paying attention. So the media would just be telling on themselves and telling everybody, broadcasting that they're idiots. And why would they do that?
4: Here's the thing that disappoints me the most, though, TJ, is we're uh, in this era of democratized media, uh, disruptive media, alternative media, the blogosphere. And again, the the blogosphere originally started out as anti-establishment. And now it's totally pro-establishment. And the fact that no one, again, okay, New York Times, ESPN, USA Today, mainstream media outlets don't want to cover, like, wow, Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie Irving, they may have been right, they may have been on this. I, I get it. But this, at the beginning of the blogosphere, this is the kind of stuff the blogs covered relentlessly, the stuff that the mainstream media wouldn't. And now, again, take our whole week long conversation full circle. And it's just like my disappointment with barstool sports it is like, they're just on the tit uh, or looking to get on the tit, a big pharma like everybody else. And, and, you know, just humping out the same corporate message as everybody else. They're no, they're no longer rebels. They're no longer reporting alternative angles or thoughts on any of this. It's, it, it's, it's fun. I, Let's take Barstool out of it cuz that was but it, it, it was uh, and I don't know if you're, if you're too young to remember Mike Florio and Pro Football Talk in their heyday. Yep. I'm talking he was a real disruptor. He was mm-hmm. a real vo- alternative voice on the NFL. And then I would say 7 to 10 years ago, he just completely pivoted and turned into a shill for the NFL and he will not stray from the pre-approved narrative of the nfl and that's just what i find so disappointing about this era we're supposed to have all
2: this alternative media and we really don't well jason you you know why because these small blogs have looked at the bigger blogs and they've said hey look you can get bought up by the big companies barstool got a whole bunch of gambling money and they sold out pft got bought out by nbc Right. It's like all of these guys, all the sellouts that you're talking about. Hell, Outkick got bought out by Fox. There's probably stuff they can't say now. All of these blogs now have figured out that they can make one hundred million dollars if they just stop with their rebellion. And so the only people you, know, you just you basically had this conversation with Alex Stein. If there's enough money dangling out in front of you. Virtually everybody sells out. So you've got to make that decision that you're never going to do that before that money is there. Because once it gets there, all you do is you look up and say, I can bend the truth a little bit for that much money. I guess, but I,
4: I just. And look, man, I like money and I like what it can do for me, family, friends, whatever. But I don't know, man. It, it just, I'm just, I just thought more people would be different and and could just see a bigger picture here in terms of like, what's the use of having all that money, if our country turns into a joke and a laughing stock, and toxic for kids, mm. and and that's, and, and I know I'm connecting a bunch of dots here and maybe everybody can't follow where I'm going, but again when. When the media doesn't report the truth, it corrupts our entire society. And that's how, and again, it would take me forever and I don't have time, but just to explain how like the fact that we won't tell the truth about COVID is connected to the fact that we've somehow reached the conclusion that having four, five, and six-year-olds go to drag shows and tuck dollars in drag queens is an appropriate behavior. And and again, I know I just said a mouthful (laughs) and I probably confused people, but trust me, it's all connected. When you devalue truth, you're setting off a toxic level of insanity that is overtaking everything. And so literally when I see and because you know, I, I spend too much time on Twitter and social media and look at it, Libs of TikTok. When I see videos of little kids on stripper poles with drag queens, I, I just go, oh my god, this, this is what we've done to truth. That we, mm. we've lost the ability to say, that's a sexual pervert. Let's lock him up and let's hunt down the parents that allowed this to happen and lock them up as well because i'm tr- i've lived long enough to know that if a grown man in a thong had a five or six year old with him on a stripper pole i'm telling you in my day that person would have been locked up and considered a pervert just 40 years ago when i was a kid if they made it and, to jail and alive. somehow yes yeah, we certainly, certainly, and 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 that guy would have been beaten up. Mm-hmm. But now we got to be tolerant, and we have to intoler we have to tolerate insanity uh, to prove that we're diverse, inclusive, and mm-hmm. equitable. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm telling
2: ya, hey man,
4: thank you. I'm gonna give you the final say. If you got no, no, something else I- you wanna say.
2: Uh, last thing, the, our guardrails are gone. This is Truth disappears when the, the biblical guard, guardrails disappear. We used to have the Bible that all of us followed as a country. Not every single person, but the country followed the guardrails that the Bible gave us, that gave us our objective morality. And so that meant that you needed to leave the world a better place for your children. Now, what people say about kids is that, First, we should be able to abort them at will. But more importantly, why would you ever have kids? You're just killing the environment. The environment's more important than human life. Well, the Bible tells us that the environment is only here to support human life and that you are the center of this in your relationship with Jesus. So when you get rid of the guardrails of the Bible, this is the natural outgrowth of that. We're just now coming to a point where it's so apparent, and thank God for accounts like Libs of TikTok, that this has been happening for far longer than this account has been exposing it. It's just now we're all seeing it and trying to fight back, but it's like you don't get to this position on day one. You don't get here in year five. This is probably year 10, 15 of this sort of nonsense going on. And now we're trying to fight against it. And it's way harder now. Thank you, TJ. It's a good segue. Uh,
4: We're going to bring in uh, my former Ball State teammate, longtime friend, Lim Jones. We've been on similar paths. We didn't know it. We reconnected uh, this week. And I'm going to be honored to bring Lim on the show, hear about his music, hear about his walk uh,
7: next.
6: His words are our religion,
7: our regrets, and our decisions. We don't want to go to heaven with freedom. It's my
3: obligation, our no hate, discrimination, is up your hands for freedom.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back. Uh, Welcome
4: back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. All right, I can't wait uh, to unpack Uh, this next interview but I want to start and give you all a little background a little taste of why uh, I'm bringing on uh, my former college classmate and teammate uh, Lim Jones earlier this week another one of our uh, former teammates a guy named Andre Barnett uh, sent out a clip of this song like man y'all won't believe who this is check out this song and uh, I got it and so we're gonna play a little 90-second clip of a song uh, of Lim Jones that uh, I received earlier this week. Let's play the song.
8: They say crime pays, sunrise rays. Zip-tide and taze ain't the way I was raised. In these last days ain't ashamed to let the world know I'm saved. Blood the sun runs through my veins, born again, washed away all my sin, anointed my pen to disperse a hot verse without a curse. He rather speak on his goodness and mercy, never fell by blood, made bail from eternal hell. Quarantine while a thief comes to steal, kill, destroy everything, not this king according to John 3.16. Whosoever believes in truth, worship him in spirit and truth. What's the use to read, hear it, not take heeds, no excuse he sits alone on the great white throne Either be written in the Lamb's book of life Or cast into a lake of fire and brimstone Lord, how long must I waste in faith on? Kingdom business, before I end this God is my witness Alpha Omega of all existence Repentance, eternal sentence Deliverance and remembrance of Jesus Reason is season I'm coming out swinging for the kingdom For the kingdom I'll live for the kingdom Kingdom, I'll die for a kingdom, kingdom, I'll live for a kingdom, kingdom, I'll die for a kingdom, kingdom, I'll live
4: for a kingdom, kingdom, I'll die for a kingdom, kingdom, I'll live for a kingdom, kingdom, I'll die for the whole, whole, whole. So I get this song on my phone and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Lim Jones making rap music for the kingdom. I'm like, there's, we're going, must be going through the same process. And so I'm sure Lim, when I reach out to him, is going to be like, Jason Whitlock, Jason Whitlock does a show and talks about uh, the gospel and Jesus Christ and, and building the kingdom. It's so amazing. Because and 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 Lim, uh, welcome to Fearless. Uh, good to see you. Glad to have you. Uh, I, I'm I'm hoping uh, that I can be honest and say like the Lim Jones that I knew at Ball State. I didn't see this coming. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to go too much. Uh, <laughs> But Lim was a player. <laughs> Lim was a player. I I hope your wife's not listening.
8: Uh, she knows.
4: She, she knows. Okay. All right. And so, anyway, man, it was so good to see this song. Uh, I gotta say, it's good to see. We talked over the phone. I don't know how many years it's been since I've seen Lim. Lem, I dye my hair because you know I'm on TV and I, I I gotta try to dye my. And I'm, are you are you dyeing your hair? You got no gray in your hair. What's going on here?
8: Wait, man, uh, <laughs> he's sustaining. me am <laughs> I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Look <laughs> great. Look great. Camouflage it just a little bit.
4: Got just you. Got bit. you. Anyway, tell us a little bit about your journey from. I believe you were in the 1986 Ball State recruiting class. I was in the 1985. And so we knew each other in the 80s and we probably represented ourselves completely different than how we are then. So to walk me through your journey or what what did what did we not know of each, about each other when we were kids cuz clearly there were some seeds planted in both of us that we weren't showing then that we are now. But tell us a little bit about your journey.
8: Exactly. Well, uh, my mom and Peyton Jones, she definitely instilled uh, the gospel in me as a child. But um, growing up and went off to school, got away and just basically just got away from uh, my roots of growing up in the church. And just like you said earlier, (laughs) we had some good times down there. But um, just (laughs) now it's time to, just time to come home with, you know, just undid all that. And uh, it's time to get back to righteousness with everything going on. And like my whole ministry with this music really is salvation, man. You I mean, you won't hear no prosperity and your, your time is coming. It's your season. I'm more concerned about uh, your soul, man, after you leave here. And if you don't agree with anything else that I say here today, we all can agree that one day you have to leave here. And where will your soul reside for eternity? And there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ, the way, truth, and the life. No man coming to the Father except through me. So that's the route I have chosen. I truly believe it with all that within me that he is the Son of God and died on Calvary and rose again on the third day. And I believe that with all that's in me, been baptized. And uh, I'm just trying to spread the good news and uh, help as many people as I can come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ.
4: You know, when we talked over the phone, Lim, you shared with me, I think that this is a song about the kingdom, but the title of your album, I think you said was Tired of Running, and you felt like earlier in your life you were basically running away from those seeds that were planted
8: in you. Exactly. I named the title track "Tired of Running," and it's very fitting. I'm, I'm just—I was tired of running, tired of running from my calling, and uh, finally, just, just humbled myself, came before His throne of grace and mercy, and now I'm here to uh, put in work for the kingdom. And so, is this the only song you have out right now?
4: Tell us about this song, and maybe some of the other music you're, you're. And w- when did you first start rapping? I, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't probably the rap thing doesn't surprise me. But when did you first start making music?
8: Started making music way back early two, '90s, really '90s, early 2000. We had a CD out called "A uh, Hustler's World." You know, I uh, don't know, you know, heathen a heathen album. Wrong. The, the, everything that's going on now that the kids talk about or whatever, we that was the route, but. Yeah, had that out early 2000s, and uh, kept writing, just kept writing, didn't quit writing. And back then, even when we put that album out, a friend of mine that was on the album, uh, Keith Turner, I told him, I said, man, I want to do a gospel album. He re- he reminded me that I told him that way back then, and uh, just uh, came back home now. Now it's time to uh, work for the Lord, put in that same energy for Christ as I did out in the world. So yeah, been rapping for All a right, while, so- been rapping for a while.
4: So, Lim uh, grew up and I think still lives in Detroit. And I think you're living in an area where this message really needs to be heard.
8: Yeah. Yeah, as you saw in the video, I shot that video right there in the trenches of Highland Park, Michigan. That's my hometown where I'm originally from. Highland Park, HP, HP game all day. But uh, yeah, went back to the trenches. My brother, G Money, Gary. Those guys showed up for me, man. I really appreciate them boys that showed up. It meant a lot to me. Some of them guys you see in that video, they they got a real testimony. And uh they showed up and they're part, trying to change their lives around now. That's why they showed up to show, hey man, we we trying to change we can change too. No matter what we did in the past, we riding with you. We're gonna do this for the kingdom. I love them boys and appreciate them.
4: All right. So before we started taping, I believe I saw your wife uh, helping you out. Give me a little update about uh, Lim and his family. I I believe I've heard you've got some kids maybe. And do you have maybe an athlete? I I, I can't. It seems like I've heard story. Anyway, update update
8: me on, on your life. Uh, Well, yeah, I I got married, man. November. November be a dub, bro. 20 years. I know you can't believe that. You you know, but she 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 humbles me, man. She helps me out a lot. My my help me. And uh, she's been there by my side the whole journey. I had twin boys. Uh, One of my sons passed. It's been uh, about about 18, 19, died. And and I tried to put it out my mind, but it's been about it's going on 20 years now. But uh, I had twins, and one son, my son, Karan, he, uh, he ended up going to Eastern Michigan, which you could have got him in Ball State. But uh, he went to Eastern, Eastern Michigan, and he uh, graduated from Eastern Michigan, got his degree, and he's in the Navy now. I'm proud of him, he, uh, he, he did real well. I, I pushed him to make sure he got his degree, and uh, he did, good, good kid, good kid.
4: Did he play basketball at Eastern Michigan, I thought I heard?
8: Yeah, played basketball. Play basketball and gonna go into Muncie and get put on a poster, man. Did you think I didn't lose it sitting there watching that game, man? Man, you go, you go to Muncie with Paris McCurdy and them boys up in there looking and watching and get put on a poster. I said, man, no way. I said, I know I'm gonna hear about that, but uh, maybe Doc mustn't see it because if Doc would have saw it, I'd have heard about it. But uh, yeah, I'm proud of you. Know,
4: proud of him. All right, uh, Lim is referencing uh, former, or not former, but friends of ours, former classmates at Ball State. Paris McCurdy, one of the great basketball players in Ball State history. Keith Stalling, another great player, was on our Sweet 16 team in 1989 or 1990. I can't remember. We lost to UNLV. Man, we had some awesome times in at at Ball State, and it's just. It just so warms my heart to see you on this journey. It, it, make, it reminds me I'm doing the right thing. Uh, and, and that there's some spirit moving, I think, within all of us uh, of our age group. Like, hey, things have gotten way, way, way out of hand. I, I hear you talk about the rap music you made previously. And I don't know if you remember this, Lim. I take credit for it. Maybe it's not 100% accurate. But I was the first person on Ball Stage campus with the N.W.A. album. And I, Gangsta Gangsta, the, you know, the, <laughs> that song. I remember riding around in my car. Man, y'all got to hear this. Y'all got to hear this. And now I get to my age and, and I'm like, I'm embarrassed. Like, I, I, you know, why? <laughs> this is what I was into. And I didn't know it would have this kind of impact on our culture and youth. Uh, And I'm just so happy to hear and see you trying to push the culture in a different direction. I think it's something we all need to
8: do. Uh, Well, Let me tell you a quick side note as far as us reuniting. Now, after I committed to Ball State, Akron called me right after that. Coach Bob Huggins was the head coach, called me and offered me. And like, I wouldn't say like an idiot, but for some reason, I knew I wanted to go to school to play basketball, but I told him, I said, man, you know, I committed to Ball State to play football. So I said, I'm I'm going to go through with it. So I turned that down, ended up going to Ball State, being a nice bunch of guys and had a good time. And long story short, uh, to the present day now. Reuniting with you. You got your own podcast doing well standing up for the kingdom. And it's funny We come back together and it's like Christ is the centerpiece that brought us back together And, it, and it, I don't believe in coincidence And I believe that's a lot of the reason why we came back together to be able to uh, push this kingdom Stand up for the kingdom.
4: No doubt about it. That's certainly the same thing. I'm feeling uh, Thank you uh, so much for the time uh, Lim, I'm gonna be back in touch because I want to hear more of your music. And we like to play original music on this show. And and I'm actually looking for, because so, we got a song about harmony, we got a song about freedom, and I've been telling people, I want a rap song about Fearless, about the name of the show, Fearless. Okay, okay. And, you know, want some biblical values. I, I reached out and you know, he didn't follow up with me, but I don't know if you heard. There's a guy in Houston named Bizzle. If you've never heard of Bizzle. Nice. Yeah. He's nice. One of the, nice. Yeah, yeah. 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 Real nice. Uh, yeah. Reached out to him, but he ain't followed up on me. I ain't followed up with me. So why not throw my I, guy some work?
8: I got you, baby. So, Yo, Yos is to the yeah. rescue. I got you. I got you. I, <laughs> got you. I appreciate you having me on your platform, man. I, I love you boys. All oh, y'all. They
4: don't know. All right. Thank you, Lim. We'll reconnect soon. Uh, great job. Uh, get your Fearless Army swag at ShopBlazeMedia.com slash fearless. Uh, smartest man on the show, Delano Squires, next. All right, welcome back. Uh, Let's roll out to uh, Washington DC and bring in our main man, uh, Delano Squires, to close out the show. This is a great way to end a Friday uh, with the smartest man on the show, uh, Delano Squires. He's written another uh, outstanding column uh, focusing in on what uh, the Afrostocracy (laughs) or what uh, our ancestors would think about uh, what we've done. particularly black ancestors, what we've done with the freedom and opportunity that they have provided. Uh, Delano, if you would uh, take a few moments and walk us through uh, your column today.
7: Sure, Jason. So first I'll start with the the genesis of this column, right? Um, you, You shared a video last week, you know, we were talking about um, Coach Mike Hick- Hickman's death, and and I, I made a comment about how corporate media is is silent when it comes to, you know, any death of a black man that doesn't advance their political narrative. And I had someone who I know personally comment under that video, basically saying, "This is this is not what our ancestors would have wanted for you." Now I'm used to people deflecting. Um, you know, when when I make particular arguments, I'm I'm used to them dancing around. I'm used to them dodging. I'm used to them dismissing certain you know things that I that I say. But this this was a different type of response than what I was used to, and and it made me think momentarily. Well, I wonder what my ancestors would think. And once I was assured that they would be proud of me for speaking the truth, I said, Well, I wonder what they would think about. Um, sort of the larger condition of black America, given what it is that they endured, and whether you the they is, you know, black folk who've been here since this nation's founding and and before its founding, or people like me whose ancestors I- endured slavery in a different part of the world and and came to this country seeking a better life. And um I wanted to write about it. and And what I did, I, I laid out a case that, the aristocracy, the black leadership class, which I I define specifically in this piece is comprised of politicians, pundits, professors, performers, and preachers, that that class of black leadership um, has squandered its inheritance and is the biggest barrier to progress in the black community today for two reasons. One, they have abandoned the values of, of our ancestors, and two, they have no positive vision for our descendants. And I just used the rest of the column to lay out uh, my, my argument, um, you know, across the board as it relates to that class of people.
4: Well, and one of the things you laid out uh, very clearly that, you know, we talk about on this show all the time is the biggest betrayal is to our biblical values and biblical worldview. Uh, that's, we, we've just abandoned all of that. And I think, you know, our, our, our reaction to everything and, and is how can we fix the white man and mm-hmm. that will improve us. And people don't even understand, like when you have a biblical worldview, if you're a Christian, you know that you're actually in a battle with yourself, that improving you, actually is how you improve the rest of the world, we've somehow come to the conclusion that improving them uh, Mm. will somehow improve us and then improve the rest of the world.
7: Yeah. And and, and I tackle that. And I I talk first about the values that have been abandoned. um, and, And I say, you know, black leadership of a different generation was grounded in biblical truths, right? Grounded in the Christian church. And the post-Christian model of black leadership, which is epitomized both by BLM, the the you know Marxist feminist lesbian—I don't know if they consider themselves atheists, but they certainly um, do not consider themselves Christians—not publicly—talking um, about their values and and their desire to dismantle the nuclear family, as well as the black church. And it's unfortunate, but at times the the black church. Um, is in effect today leading the black masses on a pathway straight to hell. And I, and I don't use those words lightly. The, the, the black church in many respects has abandoned many of the core foundational definitions and values that are found in the scriptures that it claims to preach. Now, these guys say that they're, they're preaching a prophetic message, but the question is who are they prophesying for, right? So I, I, I talk about you know how Reverend William Barber stands in churches and 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 says that you know abortion is some sort of human right. but but it's certainly a biblical wrong if if he's actually preaching from his text. So I, I talked about that, and I talked about how unhitching itself from biblical values has also affected the quest for knowledge. And then, you know, I go into a list of people. I talk about Michael Mont Hill and pregnant men. I talk about Mark, Michael Eric Dyson who diminishes fatherhood and then begs white people for reparations. I talk about uh, our friend, uh, Brittany Cooper, who says the black community does not need nuclear families to thrive. I talk about uh, Carl Hart, a professor of pharmacology and psychology at Columbia University, who literally said he would rather his kids interact with drugs than the police. And he's a person who, who speaks positively about his heroin uh, use and addiction. And then I close out that section with Greg Carr. Uh, who teaches at Howard University, who said that women seeking abortions are channeling the spirit of Harriet Tubman. Jason, our ancestors did not fight to to learn, to read and write when it was illegal during slavery, or sit in one-room schoolhouses to, to, to get the basics, or pursue any other type of education so that their descendants could go to college to unlearn Uh, transcendent truths and and timeless wisdom but but that's what they get now if if they go to college campuses
4: you mentioned and and I want you to expound on this uh, because I think it's a really meaty point that you make Uh, the corruption of these black intellectuals reflects the inevitable result of disconnecting knowledge from morality and what I hear you saying in that and correct me if I'm wrong is that you can't dis- disconnect truth from the moral authority espoused in the Bible? That's the problem. That truth and the Bible are peanut butter and jelly, and right. somehow we're acting like we got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but we've disconnected the two.
7: Right. Yeah and, and and I make that argument you know fairly clear and it's an argument that was assumed you know years ago but now you have to make it explicitly right so the, and and these are larger philosophical questions like w- what is truth and where does it come from right what is morality why is murder wrong right why is abortion wrong why people who think oh you can't legislate morality don't understand that all laws are moral because all laws make judgments of one type or another so when when these black intellectuals basically you know, chuck God to the side and say, "No, I can create my own truth." Right? They they are are ripping knowledge out of its foundations. And and when you rip a plant uh, by the roots, right? When you when you tear it aw- away from its roots, it'll no longer grow because it has it has nothing to nourish it. So you know, my my argument is that the reason that you see people like Martin Lamont Hill, you know, say that men can get pregnant is because he he has he's not tied into a larger uh, a set of transcendent um, moral truths. Right? He's, he's making up his knowledge as he goes along. And, and for as much as they talk about conservatives you know, talk, parroting white conservative talking, black conservatives they'll say parrot white conservative talking points, there's not a single thing that, that these black leaders say they believe today that they would not abandon in two years if, if the political winds start to blow in a different direction. Jason, you and I know none of these people were saying—10 years ago were saying that a man could become a woman or a woman could become a man. If you said in, in, in 2012 that that man could get pregnant, you would get laughed off the stage. But now this is accepted as some sort of timeless moral truth. And, and, and that's one of the problems that the, that the black um, leadership class um, has abandoned that, that biblical foundation. And, and the other point and you touched on this earlier. The black leadership class leads white liberals. That's who's following them. And, and I talk about, I said, if you, if you think of America like a hospital, and these people are always saying America is sick and, and, and you know, black people are feeling the brunt of it, I, I would argue, and I argue in the piece, that people, and I'll, and I'll use Ibram Kendi because I, I use him in the piece, Dr. Kendi, for the sake of this argument, the sign on his surgical center is whites only. Because the only people that he seeks to treat for their uh, you know their uh, metastasizing cancer of racism is white people his his books are geared towards white people he's telling them how to not be racist um, his you know physician's assistant Nicole Hannah Jones is saying white people should send their kids to to uh, black schools and 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 because integration is the only way f- the the truest um, and most sort of a long-standing way for black kids to make educational gains. All of these people, every time, if you if you listen to what they say, they speak the language of racial justice and equity. But all of their moral appeals are to white people. Do this. Say this. Vote for this person. Buy this book. Buy this product. And when, when it comes to black folk, it says no. They say no. You don't have to do anything. There's nothing wrong with you. You have no illnesses, no sicknesses, nothing chronic, no nothing that you have to deal with. Let me fix the white folk. And this will trickle down to, to your benefit. And, and I reject that completely. I reject. I don't want to be in a whites-only hospital, right? So I'm tired of these people who show up. And when black folk like you and I say, OK, l- let's, let's talk about these things. You say you want a dialogue. And then they say, no. We, we have nothing to say to the black community, nothing about our families, nothing about our family structure, nothing about our, you know, how we approach education, our values, nothing about shooting each other down in the streets. All of our time and attention, all of our resources and intellectual capital, has to be spent fixing white people, and that's, that is a, a that that is a, an approach that I completely reject.
4: It, it, and this will be the final thought here, uh, Delano. But it, it, it's so it's the antithesis of the movement that our ancestors were a part of decoupling themselves in the country from uh, from slavery because Mm -hmm. the mindset then was i don't need white folks i want to be free so i can take care of myself Mm -hmm. i'm a man i'm a woman i'm very capable of taking care of myself let me be free and the message of this current generation seems to be I can't make it without you, white people. Please do better, be better, give me more, and then I can make it. It, it. It's it's everything. they're messaging is about. It seems the
7: antithesis of what our ancestors stood for. Absolutely, and the most frustrating part about it, and this is this is why I focus on the aristocracy because years ago the the focus of you know black intellectual capital was about. Um, the lower class, right? the urban, urban America and crime and um, you know, fatherless homes and so on and so forth. And, th- and that's still a big part of it. But my argument is that the black leadership class is the biggest problem because they don't even allow certain discussions to take place. The- we're no longer in a time where you could have Tavis Smiley in the state of the black union, where you have a bunch of folks with different opinions going back and forth, sharpening each other. We, we don't have that space anymore. And what's frustrating about it is that these people don't even preach what it is that they practice. As I said in the piece, they, they, they brunch every Sunday. They go to wine tasting festivals. They got cleaning ladies. They, they vacation in Napa. They, their passports have more stamps than a, than a post office, right? Kids in private schools. They live in nice gated communities. And then when it comes time for them to say what it is that they did to get where they are, their message to the black community is, well, nothing you do is really gonna matter until we eliminate white supremacy. So I I describe them as people with bulging waistlines who refuse to tell beggars where they've gotten bread. And that's one of my biggest frustrations with them. And, And I do this, I see this all the time, Jason. When I talk about marriage and family and fatherhood, the people who criticize me the most are the very black folk who chose to get married before they have kids they're the ones who take pictures in front of the Christmas tree in matching pajamas and they got two kids and they got the dog. and But as soon as I say, hey, why don't you just preach the life that you live? This, no, that's that's not what we need. It doesn't matter. I'm just one individual. So, yeah, my, my frustration is with them is that they, they claim that white people are the people holding us back. A claim that I reject, but they won't even do the rest of the black community a solid and say, this is how I overcame and this is what you can do too. So that's, that is why I have such a, a, a frustration with these people. I, and I don't, I don't hate them personally. I just hate the ideas that they stand for. And, and if they think that appealing to my ancestors or calling me names is going to shut me up, um, they don't understand that, that. That just adds fuel to the fire.
4: Thank you, D. Uh, great job, you, as always. Uh, great end to our week. And and trust me, I, I never... I love Delano's little analogy about the guy with the bulging waistline that won't tell you where he got the food. I've, I've been very crystal clear. McDonald's. There's one on very, nearly every corner. It's awesome. I haven't had it in more than a year. But that double filet of fish sandwich... It'll hook you up. Alright, uh, that's it and that's all for us. Uh, we'll see you next week.
3: No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom.
7: Never been alone, break. Am i am breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving All deceiving, we all wanna be free We want freedom I just
3: want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be I just want,
6: I wanna be I just want I want